right, guys, here we go. 10 minutes, maybe eight. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Now, if we go just back to verse 1 of that chapter 3, be subject to all rulers and authorities. Titus was having an issue with his church, and I, I, I see it today in, in government, in, in, in the way it is in the United States. You might not like who is in charge, but he is, they are in charge, and it's not because really they, 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 they did the time they put, they campaigned and stuff, but God put them there. God is in control, even if we don't think so or don't like it, that we don't like somebody. You might not have voted for me. And I'm going to put a shameless plug in here. I did file again for, I'm in my fourth year of a four, I'm in, yeah, fourth year of a four-year term. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Um, and so, but what I'll tell you about voting is, I uh, I would I, I appreciate your vote and I thank you for your vote, but I'll I covet your prayers because government and politics are uh, it's easy to it says remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. We we kind of box sometimes. I, I I can do that. I mean, and I've heard Rivers talk. Of, you know, he's he's like the Fox News guru. Amy told me this morning that one of the greatest things that him and Evan were gone this week, last week, that she didn't have to listen to any of that nonsense. And that was a blessing. But we have to, we have to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I'll just tell you, there's not a whole lot of Christians in politics and in government. So we need to we need to pray for our leaders, even if we don't agree for with them. And then um, maybe even get involved somehow. And I don't know if I was an inspiration or what, but our brother Rivers Drown is running for Del Norte County Supervisor, and I think we're mostly Oregonians here, but. If you're if you're not surely surely vote for him, you just do a fantastic job. He loves the Lord, and we need people like that in in office. To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish. Check. I can check that off. Yes, I was once foolish, disobedient. Check. Uh, deceived. Serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So before I was saved, I can, I can well, I can check all of those before I was saved, and I can still check some of them, right? That's the sad part. Verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I love that verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. You remember that? You remember that time of salvation? I pray that everyone in here is saved, but if you're not, this is, the, this is the day to do it. But I can remember when I got saved. It was a lot of years ago, and it was in Smith River Baptist Church, just down the road in California. And I don't remember the day or even the year. I know it was late 70s. But I know if I walked into that church right now, I could tell you where I was sitting. And when I was studying this, I thought, how come I don't remember the day and the year? And I finally figured it out why I don't remember. You know why? I didn't have a sticky note. They weren't invented yet. Post-it notes were not invented. So I didn't have that sticky note to stick in my Bible or I probably should have wrote it anyway. Do you remember that? Just think back on the day you were saved and how he saved you and how miraculous he, the, the work that he did on the cross that we might have everlasting life. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We, you can't do it. You cannot be good enough. He was, Jesus Christ was the only one, the, the perfect sacrifice. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Oh, man. That's the best. Jesus died on the cross, went to the tomb. Three days later, out of the tomb to heaven, and he left us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to comfort us. He didn't leave us. Jesus, he left to be at the, at the right hand of the Father and to to build heaven for us. But he, and he didn't, so he didn't leave us alone. He left the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to comfort us. And I got a sticky note by my, where I do my devotions every morning that says, Jesus comforts us, not that we will be comfortable, but that we will be comforters. He wants us to be comforters. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like sitting on the love seat with my precious wife with a comforter on. <laughs> so comfortable is good anymore, especially. He saved us. He renewed us by this Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly. I got that underlined abundantly. He, he poured it out as abundantly, the Holy Spirit on us, and he just keeps pouring that's the, that's the coolest part about, you know, you can, you can get wrapped up or, or wrapped around the axle about something and, and then if all, all it takes is confession and, and speaking to, and prayer and you can be right back in the, in, in the will of God and, and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. You just, he, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can push him down, push him down until, and, but he's always ready to come to the surface, always, because that's, that's what his job is, to be a comforter. So when the flesh gets a little bit out of whack and we goof up, 
you know, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then I, I always think of um, uh, David and, and, and when he had goofed up with Bathsheba. And in Psalm 51, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's, he's, oh, that's all. You just have to confess and say it. And that's the, the Spirit of God will fill you, and He's always ready to fill you. And uh, it's, it's just a blessing. Verse 6 says, He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we, have, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. His grace, saved by grace, through faith in our Lord and Savior. Remind them, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm in you constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. It all started with remind them. We are the them, church, brothers and sisters. We are the them. We need to love one another as he has loved us. We need to bear one another's burdens. And look beyond silly faults, knowing that you knew it was coming. He first loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as Dennis comes up, I just pray that you would fill my brother with your word. Bless him. And as your words of Titus came out this morning, remind them, help us to be subject and in humility with the folks that are in authority. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your working, your Holy Spirit, to work in and amongst your people that are in authority. Help us to be um, lights to the world. And help us to remember that unbelievers are not going to act like believers. And to have grace, to show grace, to show mercy, because that's what you did, Heavenly Father. You're full of grace, mercy, and love. And you are our example. You came to serve and not be served. You didn't ridicule. You answered questions with questions that led folks to the word. When the scribes and the Pharisees were asking, why, why do your disciples don't wash their hands? You said, it's not about washing your hands, it's about your heart.
So break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The S's and the thems. This is a good, good talk, John. That was, you know, we're trying to bridge that gap between the S's and the thems. So they're all S's. Amen. Um, I feel good with the altar standing here next to me. It's like I'm not alone. It always seems so easy when someone else is up here. But for some reason, you know, before uh, you come up, there's all these things going through your heart and swirling around in your mind. It's kind of kind of weird, but but God. And I just want to say. You know, this is what God thinks about you. He says you're precious and honored in my sight. And he says, I love you. It's incredible. That's the NIV, and that's Isaiah 43, verse 4. You're precious. And I wonder if you believe it. You know, we teach the Word of God, we share the Word, we love the Word. Do we believe it? And that's just a question I want to ask. I, I believe we do. But the depth of our belief, the limits that we put on believing. Um, I know that we get um, going through life. I, I don't know. You know, when we get saved, we're excited, we're on fire. And there's nothing that we don't believe God can do. And, and then what happens? We get walking down the road. We get some years behind us. And I don't know if we get stale. Or we get dragged behind things that don't go our way. Maybe church splits. Maybe whatever it is. Death. Death of a loved one. You know, serious battles with health. And it rocks our faith. It changes us somehow. And we need to get that fire back to walk with God in belief and in faith. Because that's where everything starts happening. Good in our lives. 
It's when we believe it. When God says it, we believe it. And I just want to read a few things to you. I'll pick up my papers. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your life and the life that we can live in you, the life that you give to us, the abundant life, a life worth living, and it's all because of you, Jesus. Thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for all that you do for your people and how you love us and how you want us to love one another, even to love our enemies. And we can only do that, Lord, because of you. So take care of our hearts today as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted you to go to Mark chapter 11. And... Um, We'll go to 22, Mark 22, chapter 11. So Jesus answered and he said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. It's a scripture that we've gone through over and over. We read it. It's Jesus' words. In most of our Bibles, it's red letters. It's powerful. And how, you know, do we um, come to the point where we believe what we ask for and it's done? So, you know, I've been married to Rebecca for two years and 32 days, today at 2 o'clock. <laughs> and we had lives prior to um, our, our marriage, our relationship. We had spouses. I was a widower, and she was a widow. I didn't even know what a widower was until I became one. And the amazing thing about that, it, it rocked my world. I, I didn't know how to live, how to function. I was 
messed up. And God showed up. He shows up. Incredibly. Majestically. Powerfully. Wonderfully. And he shows up so simply. He wants to give us the desires in our hearts. He listens to our thoughts. That's our God. He is for you. He's with you. And if he's with you, who can stand against you? It's the name of Jesus. We all hear it over and over. It's powerful. His name chases off the enemy. Um, you know, he, he still does what he did when he walked the earth. He still does it for us. He gives sight to the blind. He heals the sick. He, he, he heals the brokenhearted. He gives liberty to us in many ways. Those that are oppressed, those that are in bondage. And it's all him. And so I just wanted to share, I, you know, that. I wanted to share that with you because that's what he's made known to me. Um, you know, well, my wife and I, we got a little four-wheel things that we ride around the mountains, and it's amazing. We'll talk about something before we go, and then, you know, I've been doing it probably for, up, I've been riding for maybe four or five, five years, maybe five years. I don't, I don't know. My mind shot. But, but, you know, with her now, you know, she... Um, gave me a woman with great faith and strong belief. She went through the same thing I did with her, her spouse, her husband, and, and she saw God move. Now, through COVID, God shut down the uh, mission that she was involved in that just happened to be the mission that our pastor was involved in in Mexico. God brought her here. He arranges little things. He, he knows what you need and what you long for, and he's working it all together behind the scenes to make it happen. Sometimes it takes a little while. Rivers did a wonderful um, prayer message before we got started, you know, when he was talking before communion, prayer. Sometimes we say, well, I guess we can just pray. It's like bringing the natural world into the supernatural, okay? Your prayers go into the heavens where God is. 
spiritualizes our thoughts and our words and puts God into action for you. Um, a couple more verses that I could read. I'm not so sure they'll make much of a difference, so I've said probably enough. I know that God wants us to love one another. I know that he wants us to forgive. We have to forgive or our prayers will be hindered, it says right here in Mark 11. It also says that all things are possible with God. So I want to encourage you with these words today, good words, everyday words, everyday passages. We get to walk through God's word and choose if it'll bring you life today because it is life. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters. God loves you. He says, I love you, over and over through his word. What better love is that? I mean, Jesus created everything. We were created for him, for his good pleasure. And I love bringing him good pleasure thankful for the opportunity to, to speak. I, I think it's easier when Pastor Rich is up here speaking. Or Rivers or John or Rob. It's always easier when someone else does it. But you got something in you that God put in you. And you need to say it. Speak it out. What he's made known to you what was that, John? I, I forget what Rich told us, but he said, what's been known, speak. Make it known. Yes, what God has shown. Thank you, Rob. Rob, yeah, he's still got a mind. So, so, John, I think he's a couple months older than me. I think Rich is a couple months older than John. We're, we're old. Yeah, I... <laughs> I want to sign up for Social Security now. I am. They're avoiding me. I don't know. Maybe they're out of money. I don't know. But, but you know, <laughs> but you know what? We we have such a marvelous life. Our life is so good. I, I my life is wonderful. I love my life. God gave me life. He gave me abundant life, and I love living it. I'm like in paradise. When he told that one guy hanging on the cross, that thief, today you will be with me in paradise, wow, I'm living it. I got paradise. I don't know if it'll be ripped away, but I'm not going to worry about it. Okay? And you guys don't worry about it either. You know what? It seems to me like when someone tells me, God bless you, I say, God bless you more. 
because I seem to be living under the spout where all the blessings flow out. I mean, the heavens are opened. And he pours out so many blessings on my life that I can't contain them. I want to give them to you. So be blessed. And look to the good. Remember the good. It's good. And it gets better. Amen. All right. Well, I was the middle child. First time ever I was the middle child. I was always the baby of the family, and I was spoiled. Anyway, love you guys. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, coming to you now, asking for you to speak through me, Lord, that the words that I speak uh, directly are input into the hearts of those who will hear. And Lord, thank you for making the Bible come alive in our hearts as we study your word and then share it. In your name we pray, amen. So just like uh, we, we clarified, uh, the title to our messages this, this morning is What God Has Shown We Make Known. And yes, it's on a sticky note, just so you know. And uh, so the, the crazy thing about really digging in to study God's word and uh, to share it with somebody else is that there's a couple things that rise to the top. And really, honestly, that's what Rich has asked us to speak on is what is God showing you in, in, in your studies? And the things that rise to the top are the things that you think about as you go to work and as you um, as you're living life. Those those a couple things you can you can study for hours, but there's a couple things that that are continually there to to, to uh, for you to concentrate on. And I'm going to share those uh, with you this morning uh, as we've been studying at men's breakfast uh, every Friday morning. We, uh, we just load our guts full of bacon and sausage. And there's like five kinds of sausage. The bacon, there's way too many potatoes and, and eggs and cheese and pancakes. And when I first started going to the men's breakfast, I loaded up on everything because it was free. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of this. I'm going to eat as much as I possibly can. And then after a while, I, I thought, I think I'm going to use a little wisdom here and start backing off because I saw what was happening to my gut. And I'm still working on that, like we all do, it seems like. But the cool thing is, is that we just get a, a different, uh, we get the word in different ways with different people speaking. And I've had the, the, uh, the blessing of being asked to share um, what God talks to me about basically and so we've been going through John we've been going through John 18 and 19 and so what's what's happening is to catch you guys up is we've been talking about um, the details of when Jesus was arrested in the garden and then how he was um, how he was questioned in these we call them the sham court you know, basically just a, an illegal court where Jesus was questioned about different things and trying to get stuff out of him. And then we see where Jesus is, is uh, brutalized. He's beaten. He is, he is scourged. He's, his clothes are ripped off of him. And he is uh, beaten and a robe put on him and a crown of thorns crushed onto his head. And so it's actually a hard thing to teach on um, because it does bring... Um, emotion 
So when you, uh, when you dig into the details of his word and see our Savior going through this, it does, it affects you quite a bit. So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty rough situation. So, but in teaching this, I, we get to the part to where we're at the foot of the cross. Jesus is on the cross. And the things that, that really rise to the top is, is the prophecy of what's going on. And, and this is, we're going to look at the first one right here. And in John 19, I'll just read it in 23 through 24. John 19, 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among them, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And so the picture is Jesus hanging on the cross, four Roman soldiers who have Who've all, who are supervising the crucifixion, given the authority to take whatever they can from whoever is being crucified. And so, and I s said this at men's breakfast, the ironic thing is, as our Savior is as hanging on the cross, struggling, there's guys that are gambling and playing games at his feet. And so, it's a picture, really, too, of our society, and those who continue to reject who God is and reject the message of God, um, simply uh, selfish and simply not believing in, in the word of God. And so it's a, it's a crazy picture. But the thing that I want to focus on, one of my points, is the prophecy which we're, we're, we go to uh, Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. 18. This is where we're directed, which is... Very interesting because this was a song written by David a thousand years earlier, and this prophecy was fulfilled on the cross at this time. So let's look at, uh, let's go to Psalm 22. And again, this is a song written by David, and we know David was, was a king, and before he was a king, though, he was, he he, he went through a lot of stuff. He suffered while he, before he was king, and he suffered while he was king. And so when you, when you read Psalm 22, it's about him feeling like he's completely separated from God. And then he reminds himself, wait a minute, the promises of God. And then he focuses again on his situation where, where he's being chased after. And then so there's this back and forth thought, kind of like we have the same thought. You think a certain way, one thing, but then, you know, you start thinking in detail about, well, wait a minute, this is the truth, but yet I feel this way. So you find yourself warring back and forth, and this is exactly what this psalm is about. And then in verses 22 through 33, we end up seeing that, that the Lord has um, come to him, and he is now, his prayer is answered, and he is now praising the Lord and, and sharing this praise with those around him. So it's a very amazing um, psalm, but I want to focus 
on uh, a couple things. Um, so the description in the psalm indicates a painful execution, something David never suffered. And so, again, uh, pointing to the details of what happened to Jesus. But here we see David expressing the same feelings in a prophetic explanation of what happened to Jesus on the cross. So it's interesting that he's feeling the same thing and expressing it in the words that we can look at and, and then we can see play it out in the Gospels. And so it's, it's actually pretty amazing because it's word for word and it happened a thousand years prior to this is how it was spoken. And so I want to read part of Psalm 22 and let's look at uh, verse 14, Psalm 22, 14 to start. And it says this, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They looked and stared at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So Jesus, a th an innocent person, a completely good and faithful person, he was, he was wrongly crucified. He was beaten. He was mocked. And completely innocent. And I start thinking about us on this, on this earth for the short period of time that we have. And... You know, we see him cry out to God in the beginning of the psalm. But one of the things that blows me away is, is this suffering that we go through. Um, how, are we, how are we to deal with that? How are we to deal with the suffering and despair that we've gone through and that we continue to go through? And um, Jesus has gone through the same thing. And so how can we look to his word and how can we be able to follow the example that he leads? And I don't know um, about heavy suffering and despair, but I know that um, I can't imagine a loved one being lost or um, sick. You know, I just went through, uh, came back from a funeral from uh, a great friend of mine who, who lost his, his wife. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if she knew the Lord or not, but um, in her struggle uh, with cancer, there was a lot of suffering and despair. And then, uh, so again, as a believer, how do we go through this? Because we, we ask the question, where is God? And non-believers ask the question, and believers ask the question. We continually hear that, right? It's an interesting thing to think about, to ponder when you're in the middle of, of suffering and despair. I want to look at um, I want to look at the first beginning of this verse, Psalm 22, verse one. 
He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of groaning? And this is the same exact words that Jesus spoke while on the cross. And we see that in uh, Matthew 27, 46. This is this, we see the same words. And he said this right before he gave up his spirit. And so it's a period of time where Jesus, he not only took on the sin of humanity, um, but I think the thing that really rocked him was the fact that he was separated from his father for a short amount of time. And I think of it like an eclipse where for a period of time when he is on the cross, taking the full penalty for our sin and suffering as on the cross as he was in, in for a short time separate from, from God to be able to accomplish what the Father has asked him to do. And the crazy thing is, is he's willing and obedient to, to follow through with God, with what God has asked him to do. And for us, we know that God is with us continually all the time and and even in the midst of our sufferings and our despairs and I want to share a couple verses with you that encourage me because one of the things that um, I love is is a lot of us have gone to church for a lot of years and a lot of us know God's word but like me and obviously like you guys have realized we were forgetful and it's good to be reminded about some things. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat in here that we, um, that we need to continually uh, digest all the time. And we need to be continually reminded. Uh, Isaiah 41, 13. I'm going to beat you guys to it because I have st more sticky notes. Isaiah. 41, 13. My sticky notes not was working as good as I thought. <laughs> 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. This is a promise from God. In the midst of your suffering and your despair and your walk with the Lord, he is with you, and he will always be with you. Psalm 145.18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. It's a promise. It's his word. We can rely on it. It's the truth. We can count on it. And I'm going to bring up a very familiar verse. Joshua. 1, 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, words of the Lord for us in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our suffering. This is the one of the things that rose to the top for me as I see friends of mine in the world and the things that we go through that are, um, that are tough to go through. Um, God's word has the answer, and we can rely on the fact that God is with us. That answer to the question, where is God, that people ask. God is right next to you. In fact, I think that the harder the situation we're going to, the closer God is to you. And to just know that and understand that, I think sometimes we're looking for some magical, magical wand experience where our problems just go away. Well, our problems aren't, don't go away. God is with us through them as he's conditioning us. Robbie and I have been working out together, and we've been hitting the gym together. And um, I have to tell you, I, I work out pretty regular in my garage and stuff like that. But when you go to work out with your 22-year-old stud son, the game is upped a little bit. And so my chest, lower chest, and triceps have been sore for almost two weeks. And um, so... And, and Jay was in on it, too, right here, this guy. And so, so I'm going through a lot of pain. But through the pain comes something better. Obviously, for guys who are looking for big muscles, that's not me because I've tried that for 40-something years. I haven't hap hasn't happened yet. But, you know, we work out. And we strain ourselves for better health. Everything that we eat, if it's good for you, it tastes bad. If it's not good for you, it tastes really good. So the things that we do for ourselves to, to um, it seems like the good things cost the most and, and hurt the most. But the Lord is continuing to work on us. Um, the last thing I want to, f I want to uh, finish off with is in, well, in uh, John 19, right before Jesus gave up his spirit. Does anybody remember what he said? Forgive them for they have sinned. There's one thing that, f that really highlighted me, and he said, it is finished. It is finished, and he gave up his spirit. For me, this is... It is finished. He's, he's done bearing the pain, he's the agony. But for us, it is finished. We no longer have to strive to work on our salvation. We no longer have to do anything for our salvation. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can rest in the fact that you are saved if you believe in him and if you have accepted him as your savior. It is finished. The work is done. Jesus has done it all. He took it all. And so what are we supposed to do with that? What is our job now? And we see in the word 
that our job is to love God with everything that we have and seek him with everything that we have, loving those around us. And so I can take it a little bit further. I don't know if anybody in here has hunted behind a German short hair or not. Um, or somebody may have an Australian Shepherd or Border Collie. Well, if you hunt behind a, a German short hair, they're a pointer. And uh, we used to hunt pheasants behind them. And so the dog's out scanning, kind of running in front. You're behind with shotguns. And then you're just watching the dog, basically. And then when the dog senses that he's, there's a pheasant in the bush ahead of him, he locks up. And you know, the, you know, they got their tail, they got their leg up, and they're locked in on what's in this bush. And so you know, like, okay, we got some action here. And so, and that dog will not move from that position until you tell it to go in there after it. It flushes the birds up, and, uh, and off it goes. And but if you try to distract that bird, the dog from it, if you like hit the side of the, you know, the dog's like this and he hit the side, he was kind of like that. But he's focused here. But no matter how much you distract him, he's focused on what's in here. Same with the we have this crazy dog that is Australian Shepherd that chases the ball. And it's, it's all about the ball. And so when I think about that, I think about we're to focus on God like the bird is focused on that thing in the bush. We're to focus on God like the, my dog is focused on you throwing that ball for him. It's all that, all the dog thinks about is that. In fact, when we wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that you want to do that you think about? Some people like the first thing they want to do is light a cigarette or take a drink or See who got shot the day before on the news. There's all kinds of things. But when I think about if you're on fire for God and our job is to know that it is finished and our job is to follow him like a bird dog, the first thing we ought to think about every morning is our time with the Lord as soon as we wake up and get ourselves fed through the day.